this morning? I'm doing fine and dandy. I'm just making my coffee, brewing it up. Did you make some for me? I would have, but then I realized you were in Costa Rica and I decided shipping it, not really going to work it out. So uh, I gave it to Rokotong, my cat. And she was like, I asked for a latte with extra foam, not a cappuccino, <laughs> you fucking stupid barista. I don't see why you can't get my order right. Also, my name is Roka, R-O-K-A, not Roku, asshole. Like, ugh, write it right on my mug. Idiot. Wow. wow, your cat is really judgmental. I wonder where she learned that from. I just don't know. I mean, I think it's the TV. I think, you know, <laughs> these shows, these shows, these entitled douche shows, you know? Are you saying that Rokatan's been watching too much Keeping Up with the Kardashians? She's been watching way too much Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Um, and then she also likes to go around and be like, I'm actually such a down-to-earth good person. Um, you guys just don't understand. I know it looks like I spend one million hours a day in front of the mirror, but um, no, I, I, I volunteer and I do good things for people. You, <laughs> you don't understand. You, you just don't. Andrew had to take her to the vet recently to get her like booster shots and stuff. And he told me yesterday, he's like, he said the vet was like, oh, it's, her name is Roka. And he's like, no, it's Rokatan Belly. No, he said Rokatan Belly. And I was like, no, it's Rokatan Belly. It's French. And I'm sure those are real French words that I made up. <laughs> You really like making up your own language for cats, especially like, you know, some people like if they have twin, if they have a twin, they make up their own twin language. You just make up like a language between you and your cat that only you and the cat can understand. I know. And she likes it. She loves her name. At first it was just Roca. Then it was Uh Rocaton. No, it was Roca. Rocaton. It's very important that it's like a French at the end is Rocaton. And then it was Roca. It was Rocaton Belly. And now it's Rocatombelli. It sounds French as fuck, right? You speak French. You would believe like, oh, that's just the thing I it sounds like a it sounds like a real French person's real last name. <laughs> My name is the Duke. I am Duke du Rocatombelli. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> I loved that so much. <laughs> and uh, I would like some Roquefort cheese. Uh, merci. Did I tell you that because of the pandemic, the French have invented a new kind of cheese? Yes, you did. But tell our listeners because you told me on my other podcast. Hey, listeners, you don't want to miss out on the cheese news of the month. (laughs) Cheese news of the month. (laughs) I think it's actually cheese news of the year because this happened at the beginning of the pandemic, which was just about a year ago. But there was a cheese maker, a fromagier en France, who had to abandon his cheese cave because of the pandemic, le pandemic, as they would say in French. And after a month of um, leaving his cheese cave alone, he came back and he found that one of his cheeses had developed an entirely new mold on it, and ergo a new flavor. And apparently it tastes like Roquefort cheese, but slightly different. Because it's aged differently. So now it's a new official government cheese. A new official government sanctioned cheese. My <laughs> cheese is government sanctioned. What's your cheese, loser? <laughs> That's Roca when she's talking about her. Um, she does, you know, Roca does, uh, she does cheese making as like a hobby, but that's like not her true passion. Um, <laughs> her true passion is telling baristas that they fucked up her order. Idiot. <laughs> um, I bet there's people out there. 
can you imagine they just go to Starbucks and they just put in an order and they give like all the wrong information just so they can yell at the barista? I bet you anything there are people like that. Oh and we should God, put them bet, down. Should put I them bet down. That's, that's like a new sociopath test or something. Like I bet oh, that's a creepy. some people are developing. Ew. I feel like those people need to be poisoned in their in their frappuccinos and I feel like everyone would just clap and be all like good job <laughs> we need to get those people out of society because fuck you if you go <laughs> if having worked in retail having worked in customer service if you go and try to make some some poor uh person's life a living hell who has to work those jobs like you you definitely deserve to get drowned in a frappuccino I swear to god like you you don't deserve <laughs> to keep going if that's your job if that's your prerogative to like make people's life miserable especially people who have to work in customer service like it's like yes no dude after after the pandemic I I mean customer service this last year the people who have been the you know the essential workers they all deserve medals and they hella deserve raises like it shouldn't even be a question I think if grocery store workers had gone on strike this year they like we would have realized how completely essential they are and they they should have done it they should have gone on strike this year until they got uh until the minimum wage was raised to at least $15 an hour true that and uh you know it's really I I feel like I was coming out of my California bubble moving to North Carolina because Mm -hmm. in California um, it's so fucking expensive to live you know the minimum wage is higher than most other places so uh, when I when I was like reading about jobs in North Carolina, uh, the minimum wage was so like I'm trying to remember what it was. It's it, what it is. It's so fucking low. It's like are you insane? It's like seven dollars an hour. Are you like insane? People cannot live on that. Yeah, I felt. I mean, I feel that way as well. And definitely, that needs to be raised up uh, as well. Like I, I think in the Nordic countries, if you work at McDonald's, you make $22 an hour or what the equivalent of $22 an hour is, um, you know, the equivalent for their country. So that is, that should be the standard. That should absolutely be the standard. I mean, not to, not to, again, you know, talk about how tall people just, they just know how to do it. Um, (laughs) They're fucking tall over there and, and they just seem to know. I mean, I don't know, you know. Are you saying the My, government is just afraid of its people because all of its people uh, look like, you know, Vikings? Like the, yeah, all of its people are Vikings and the government is just afraid of its people. It's like, let's not. Oh my God. Let's not. Let's piss not. They're descended let's from Vikings. Not, let's not. You see, um, you see Eric over there and he has like a giant fucking broadsword. Let's not fuck with his money today. <laughs> Just let's not. We're gonna we're gonna pay Eric Erickson not to storm our capital because we we're can't gonna, afford that. Because it's a little it's a little intimidating. Unlike no, like actually, the people who stormed our capital who all look like Oh man, they really all look like they crawled out of their mom's basement. Oy. Um, some of them did. Uh, some of them actually did crawl out of their mom's basement and their mom was like, <laughs> finally, and now I'm not letting you back in the house. <laughs> Idiot. Well, so I want to ask you a question. Uh-oh. Un pregunta en español. What? Pregunta. Oh, is that right? question. Pregunta? Pregunta. This is now the learn Spanish badly. Okay. Podcast. I like how you say that like you're like a radio announcer. 
You sound just you? like you sound just like what was his name from Jane the Virgin? I fucking love him. Thank Rafael you. I love him. I love him so much. He's my favorite. I, I like how I can't remember his name. He's definitely my favorite actor. I don't even I don't know the actor's name. I just know Rogelia de la Vega. <laughs> He's Jane most attractive too. I mean, not his personality in the show, but like his physical appearance. He's well I, I, I love like him. Well, I, I love no, I love his personality, but I don't I'm not like I want to marry him. I'm not like, yeah, I'm not really in, as you can tell while I sit here with my unkemptness, I don't need someone who's, I don't need a man who's like crazy high maintenance. Who's like, I need to go get my hair done and my nails done. No, definitely not. I I don't even look at my, look at my fucking nails. You see how there's like one, (laughs) I have like, I have like two long nails and the rest are like super short. You see that? Yes. You know what I find is since we've moved here. It does not matter how short I cut my nails. There is dirt and grime just like packed in underneath the nail. Mm-hmm. At mm-hmm. all, I'm not in the dirt. That's how you know. That's how you know that you are living your truest, organic, authentic self. But I don't think it's dirt. I think it's just my dead skin cells. Ew, why? Why? No, no. I don't know. It's human. Not, you know I'm my rule. Putting, if it's human, putting, it's gross. I'm not putting my hands in There's the a, dirt. Dirt is just crawling out of the earth up into my hands and embedding itself underneath my fingernails. I would, I would, you know, I would question that, except, you know, I do believe in alien life. And that sounds like (laughs) something sneaky those aliens would try to do. Like in, remember that movie, The Day of the Triffids, where, uh, where the plants, like the aliens put plants just so you would be like, oh, it's just a plant, but then it kills people. It kills yes, people. actually. It was such a I, good quality film. Quality with a K. I do. <laughs> I mean, right? I don't you that. think it would be really intellectual of uh, other of species from other planets to come and parade around as plants here or dirt? And they embed themselves under your nails and they're all like, oh, just some dirt over here. Definitely not going to try to take over your planet. <laughs> I Definitely mean, I, not. It, it's a very sneaky way of doing it. It's sneaky. It's I like it. I mean, wait, are they going to take over the planet and then make it better and allow us to live a better existence or wipe us out and like clean slate it? That's my question to the dirt aliens. So speaking of questions, I have a question. Last week, we talked about ways for you to be... Last week, we basically said that you needed to be expressing yourself artistically more. Uh, Have you found any time this week to do something that nurtures your artistic side and makes it makes you feel like you're you know getting to be expressive and getting to be an artist no but I did start uh reading through my audio book (laughs) Pride and Prejudice and that felt real good you know feels artistic right well consuming art can be (laughs) I mean consuming art is feeding the soul artist yeah it's not the same art as as they're at 50 shades gray Okay, I'm not going to go down that road of what qualifies art. <laughs> but Jane Austen's novels are they're fucking relatable. Even though I don't live in the Regency era, I still, I really can relate to her Her characters are so fucking human. They're so relatable as a woman. They're so relatable to things you, uh, you often go through with relationships. Yeah, yeah totally. She's lasting. Um so yeah. our subject, this is our subject today is 
schedules, something that I know will appeal to your little Virgo sensibility and something that is kind of kind of bristling for me. Uh, but but we decided. To OK, talk- mm-hmm. sorry, I need to. I need to interrupt because it's it's the moment. You got to grab the fucking ring. You got to grab that golden ring. <laughs> I just want to, I, I forgot. I wanted to like yell at you for a minute about being so damn punctual to our podcast. Speaking of scheduling, you said you bristle at scheduling. I just really don't understand how it turned. It turned to 1030 today, my time. You were ASAP messaging me. ASAP messaging? No, that doesn't make sense. You were messaging me. Are you going to send me a link? to for the recording and i'm like are you fucking kidding me when did you become a prompt on time person like this this is not <laughs> like i'm the late one i'm the late one and that was really i don't understand how this happened i feel like it, it took you to move to a culture where they're all like pura vida and they're all like you know we're relaxed here we you know time and now you're like, let's be punctual as fuck. And I find that very interesting. And I feel like you're actually more scheduled now than I am. Okay, so that's the funny paradox here, because I can answer that question really easily. Um, in Los Angeles, I had to work all the friggin' time just to make enough money to be able to pay rent, and sometimes not even that. And so I was busy all the time, and I'd usually be late to things because I'd stayed at my computer going like, let me just answer one more email. Let me just answer one more email. Let me just answer one more email. Oh my God, I'm 20 minutes late. Let me answer one more email and then I'll go out the door. Um, and I was very overscheduled all the time. And that's why I was late. Plus traffic, four or five, the five, the one, the one, two, three, four, five, we're always <laughs> backed up. So that's why yeah. I was in Los Angeles because I was overscheduled. Now that I'm here, it's this weird, it's this weird thing where I actually have so much more free time where I don't have to do a thing. But then I also have all these projects that I didn't. Um, I have all these projects that I was putting off finishing when I was in Los Angeles because I didn't have time. So I'm in this weird situation where I have lots and lots of free time, but I also have a lot to do, but there's no deadline to most things. So I, I spend a lot of my time when it's not, I spend a lot of time, if it's not previously scheduled, I spend a lot of time just staring at my computer saying do something interesting computer I feel like you just described life not your like I feel like you just described like I have this I have like you know things to do but no like hardcore deadline I'm like isn't that kind of like life where you're like okay I kind of want to do something I want to maybe you know do xyz but I could also not um yeah so I've the pandemic has definitely shifted things for us for many reasons because I mean we were already living in Costa Rica which is much more affordable and has a much more laid back way of life way of living so it's been very um it's been a good challenge I think a pleasant challenge for me to try to unwind all of the coiled up 
tension that I used to feel around work because in Los Angeles, it was just like, wake up, have your coffee, go, 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 go. Ah, oh, you still fail. And, um, and here it's like, wake up. Why are you running? It's not a race here. Gelato. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. That just sounds so good. It's not a race. I love to hear it. It's not a race. You know what? We're all going to get to that finish line called death eventually. So we all might as well just take our time. Well, and you see people here just really very much enjoying um, the Pura Vida lifestyle. I mean, Pura Vida means pure life. And it doesn't mean like eating all organic food (laughs) or having artisan, artisanal, volcanic water brought down to you and chilled from the mountains. Uh, It's more like just live and spend your time and attention appreciating the very basics of living and actually listening, thinking about our our podcast last week where we talked about the Enneagram, like my mission as a seven, when I am being the most happy and healthy version of myself, it's like having real appreciation for small things everyday things, not going out and trying to have, uh, you know, have multiple experiences, but being really appreciative of the everyday mundane quotidian experiences or being appreciative of whatever. What is that word you just said? Did you say quotidian? Yeah. Quotidian. Is it meaning of quotes? No. Quotidian means everyday normal. And I think in Los Angeles, there's uh, there's a restaurant called Pan Quotidian, which means. Oh, is that how you pronounce bread. that shit? God damn. Yes. I've never, I do not know how to pronounce that, but it's spelled, it's, why? Why is it spelled that way? How do you spell it again? It's like, oh, it's so it's confusing. Pan like Quotidian. That's how you pronounce yeah. that. I don't go yeah. to that restaurant because I don't know how to pronounce the name and I'm too embarrassed. <laughs> French makes me feel stupid and I don't appreciate that. So that's why I make up my own French words um, because you might as well. I mean, whatever. Okay. So you make your own French words out of revenge. Out of revenge. Out of revenge. Um, So quotidian. So quotidian means everyday things. Yes. But in a really pompous, fancy way of saying everyday things. You know, some really great advice I got was from Chris. Chris, who is our nutrition coach and co-host of the podcast. Deconstructing Health and Fitness. Yes. With you, Elizabeth, uh, she's also a, a French teacher, or she used to be a French teacher before she started being a health coach. But um, I was asking her something about French and Spanish, and she said, look, they're based on the Latinate languages. So just think about the most pretentious way of saying a thing in English. And then that'll give you the words you need in French or Spanish, which is true. It's so totally true. Like I was asking my friend, uh, how, how do you say like fun? How do you say that was fun? And it's divertado. And I'm like, divertado. Oh, like what a diversion. Oh, that was a fun diversion for the afternoon. Yeah. Okay. 
So it's it's easier to like remember half of the words that I'm now trying to learn in French and Spanish because they're just like the Latin based words that you would use in English. I feel like that only works if you know Latin. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, half I don't know half of the words that we <laughs> use in English. Are... No, you don't understand, you guys. Okay. It's not that difficult. You just translate the English word into Latin and then you translate into either Spanish or French or Italian. I don't see why this is hard. Just like remember your days when you studied Latin. Remember those? Jesus Christ, quotidian, my ass. (laughs) I don't know how to say your restaurant's name because it doesn't equate in my brain. And they have such good pastries, and it's really upsetting to me. <laughs> I understand. Um, so back to uh, scheduling downtime for people who are workaholics, and for people who have trouble saying no, and for people who are like, "It's not good enough. It's not good enough." Um, you might want to try scheduling your downtime and scheduling your off time. So yesterday. Andrew and I went um, there. We live near this um, historic site called Bennett Place. And um, Elizabeth Bennett was it founded Elizabeth by Elizabeth Bennett, Bennett and Mr. Darcy? <laughs> yes. Um, so we went to this place and I'm like, we live right near it. We should kind of like know what the fuck this is. Um, and we were walking along. They, re- they, there's some original stuff and then some stuff they recreated, you know, from the 1860s. And I just started thinking, God, this, like, it's a beautiful Saturday here. The daffodils are all in bloom. There's so many daffodils, like daffodils everywhere. It's so gorgeous. And um, the blossoms are coming out on, God, there's like big red camellias and the magnolia trees are getting blossomed. the, The locust trees, like, blossoms everywhere blossoms all over the place and I was just thinking god let's kind of go back in time at least for for America because I I want to recognize that not everyone has the same experience but if you're listening to a podcast you probably already can relate to this so you know how like you walk about and you're all like oh an email came in oh a text message oh this or that Yes. Think about like the days back in, you know, the 1800s or the the 1980s also when you couldn't, when you didn't have your, an email to check, when you didn't have text messages where it's like if someone didn't get you on your landline, then they just couldn't get a hold of you. And you could just like walk around pondering things and not having to constantly keep, like your mind wasn't People weren't constantly vying for your attention. The internet wasn't constantly vying for your attention. I just, all of a sudden it just really hit me. And I know there's been, I'm sure many studies done about what kind of impact this is having on our psyche. The fact that we, we always have to be distracted and doing something else. And there's, it's so hard to get away from um, outside distraction. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that, uh, I'm certainly guilty of that as well because I carry my phone with me all the time. And me too. 
but the thing for me is that my phone is work, but it's also my Play. playground and it's also <laughs> my my classroom. It's the classroom where I'm the teacher and it's the classroom where I'm the student. So like my days off, I've been getting into more of a rhythm of reframe this a little bit. I want to ask you a more pointed question. So we're a little more. You want organized. to have a, do, do, you want to divert it? You want to have a, I can't even think about this. Diversion. I want to divert diversion. A diversion. Oh. I want to create a diversion in your head so I can go through. <laughs> it's not going to be hard. None of like, us have good focusing skills anymore. No, it's, ter- I mean, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. So I, you know, one of the things that I've learned that I've been observing in the pandemic is that a lot of folks who are creatives, I think, um, are really sort of enjoying this time because they've been wanting to spend more time at home slowing down. And I think I can say this. So I teach creative writing classes. And this last week I invited everyone to do a little reflecting on the last year in pandemic and what have they liked and what's been difficult about the pandemic. And, um, a lot of people actually said that they are enjoying how much they've been able to slow down and relax Mm. more because they're not going anywhere and they've been able to focus more on little things and things in their home that make them happy and Mm. doing activities that used to be uh, impossible because they didn't have enough time, you know, like making bread or actually reading a book. Or listening to a book. Or listening to a book. For those of us who like that. (laughs) And, And I feel that, you know, especially the pandemic has definitely, um, exacerbated a lot of the the challenges that people have in our society to begin with so like this this pandemic has really divided or made made more obvious um the divide that people have like people who have kids have been more stressed out because they have more work in addition to their own work they also now have to be their kids teacher And they are, you know, anytime you have a kid around, it just puts more demands on your attention. So there's those folks. There's the folks who don't have jobs right now and don't have an alternate source of income who are super stressed out. And then for folks who still have their job and don't have a child to take care of, or maybe, you know, maybe who have like good resources for taking care of their kids, you know, people who maybe have a nice sized house and only one child and a tutor and all that kind of thing. Like they've been able to relax more and be at home more and enjoy their free time more. So I think for those folks, like we've gotten in some ways kind of this net plus because we've been able to do some of the things that we couldn't do before. Um, And I feel very lucky that I get to be in that group. You know, Alan and I don't have kids. We have five cats and we're renting a three bedroom house near the beach, which is a third of what we were paying for renting our one bedroom uh, apartment that was an hour or half an hour from the beach in Los Angeles, just saying. Um, And so we've really been able to have a lot more free time and downtime, and I don't always like it. So one of the things that 
I wanted us to talk about on this podcast, Liz, is scheduling. And how do you create a happy schedule for yourself, a schedule that allows you enough free time and downtime, but also make sure that you have enough time to get work and other tasks done during the day? I'm curious, how are you scheduling in enough time for downtime? And are you? So um, I think it's really important for people who tend to be workaholics and to tend to look at any downtime that they have as like a way to shame and guilt yourself into doing something productive. Um, which I'm, I'm definitely that person. I'm like, oh, you're just sitting here right now. You just did like a bunch of work, but you're just sitting here right now. What else can you do to improve your life and your situation? Something that's kind of helped me uh, is reframing this as like, hey, you know, you never kind of know what life is going to throw at you. So you might want to take the downtime when you can see that you can have it because you need to rest and it's important to take it where you can get it. That's a good thing. Yeah. The reframing is very important because I, you know, we've definitely all of us internalized this move, 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 move attitude towards life. Like you, yeah. Like we always have this attitude of what are you doing to improve yourself or what are you doing to make more money or what are you doing to this and that? And for me, my, my situation is very different because we're in Costa Rica. So our, our immediate culture is not putting nearly as much pressure on, but I still have those voices that I brought from the United States that I brought with me from the United States, you know, the voice that says, work, work, work. And, and I also have so many projects that I was putting off until I had the free time that I probably have five years of projects that I've started that will take me at least another five years to finish. And so whenever I sit down, I'm like, wait a minute, you still have four years, nine months and 27 days worth of projects to do. Don't rest keep working. And in five years, then you can take a break after you finish those three books you're working on writing and one curriculum project you're trying to get finished. Yeah. So for people, people you need, it sounds counterintuitive to be like, <clears throat> to, to be like, oh, I need to schedule my downtime. It sounds counterintuitive. It sounds potentially, uh, I just, confusing um because I often would frame downtime as like oh when you don't have to schedule anything when you don't <clears throat> when you don't have to worry about anything you just let your you just let everything just run freely um but that can actually be a lot more of a cause of stress because then you'll find excuses to not do that you mean you'll find excuses to be working during your <clears throat> office exactly that's what I meant I will. I will. If I don't specifically say to myself, if I don't use discipline and say to myself, this is your downtime, you will sit here and you will enjoy it. <clears throat> you will sit here and you will, or you will go for a nice walk and you will not be working. If I don't do that, I will just shame myself into working. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean you shame yourself into working? 
Well, I'll be all like, hey, you know what? Or doing something, doing something quote unquote productive. It doesn't Uh have to be like necessarily work. It's like, hey, hey, I noticed you didn't work out yet today. Hey. And it's like, okay, I I know. And I want to work out. Working out is very important for self-care and well-being. But right now, I'm just like, like, I just need to stare at the birds a little bit, you know? Um, So I will... It's really all perspective and reframing. I want to keep on going back to that reframing because I know that's a good psychological technique where um, I could easily go on a hike and be like, oh, this is my workout. I'm being productive. I'm getting my exercise in. Or I could go on a hike and be all like, oh, this is my time to like rejoice in nature and take it in and get my blood moving. And it just feels good to move, you know, to move around, move my body and be in nature. And it's, you're doing the same thing with a different mindset. Um, and this is something that I think is really important for structured time off because you could, you could have some, you know, you could say, I'm going to take this like couple hours off this day off. And think to yourself, oh, look, you know, look at what I'm not getting done. And I'm really like, I'm being so lazy. And that can really just ruin it for you to make you feel just more guilty. And then you just don't even enjoy your time off, which has happened to me many times. um, Because I spend the entire time feeling guilt and guilt about not doing stuff and shame. What's wrong with you? You're so lazy. Um, or you can have structured time off, which I've done. And I'm like, this is my self care. I need this to function and do well and everything else. And this time off helps me do better in everything else I do that is quote unquote productive. So this, in a way, I've just reframed my time off as being something that is productive, which allows me to turn off my little inside shamer douchebag. (laughs) So for you, reframing things and changing the way that you talk to yourself is helpful. And then also scheduling it in makes you feel like it's safe to take the time off because it's on your schedule. Yeah. And in a weird way, you use that word safe. Um, I feel like I, I, the feeling that does come up when I am allowing my mind to wander and just be, I do feel a sense of panic. I often um I feel like oh my god balls are dropping balls are dropping oh my god you know it's all gonna come crashing down yeah I understand that completely and I feel that way all the time when I when I when I first left my job so that I could pursue my own work you know you're in this strange place where it's like you you don't have enough clients so you have way too much free time but you need to bring in more clients. So you need to be working on the things like advertising and promotion and building your program and bringing in more people. So you wind up having all of this unstructured time and needing to give yourself that structure. And I remember taking some time off to go have some coffee or go get breakfast like on a weekday and just feeling like there's something wrong. If I am out taking time off on a weekday, then I'm not making enough money to survive. And just, I was sitting in a restaurant being served coffee and enjoying myself outwardly. It would look like I was just relaxing, enjoying myself. And inside I'm panicking. Like I feel like 
this wolf is just eating money out of my bank account right now, and I'm going to die soon. It's going to yes, eat like you have to keep that goddamn wolf. You have to keep that wolf at bay by constantly working or focusing on your work. Yeah, it's taken me a long time to get past that, and I still have that. I feel like I have to be working to the point where I know that I have a guaranteed or almost guaranteed amount of income in the bank, and then I can go, all right, now that's taken care of, so now your free time is really your free time. And until that point, you're really just here to... You just need to be running from that wolf constantly. So, I mean, <laughs> to some extent, I, that actually makes me, I think, a healthier person than most people are. Because once I have like a certain level of money in the bank, like for the next month or two, I, I can suddenly, I can kind of automatically relax and just go like, okay, I can now focus on the day-to-day, moment-to-moment and feel a lot more safe. Whereas I know a lot of people, even when they've got, you know, 10 years of savings in the bank, they still feel that impulse like they have to be working all the time or or something bad is going to happen. That's how I feel. I mean, I do not have 10 years of money in the bank, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel, yeah, I, I'm just going to bring it back again. You can call it depressive, whatever. We're all going to get to that finish line of death. Try to enjoy your journey. <laughs> I mean, does it give anyone else comfort or is that just me? Am I am I like emo? Oh um, no, I think that's something that helps me helps me understand and live my life more consciously is the idea that it's fleeting and you won't always be here. And so what is it you really want to be doing with your life right now? And a lot of the time I think. Um, you know, being, being in Costa Rica right now, as opposed to being in the United States helps in a lot of ways, because I know that we're not going to live here forever. And so it helps me pay attention more because I feel like, look, one day we are going to go back to the U S and I'm probably going to miss being here. And I'm going to ask really, it's, it's like that old famous quote, like on your deathbed, Nobody says they wish they spent more time at the office. So for me, it's not its not like I have to wait till my deathbed. I know within a year or so, we will probably leave Costa Rica. And so I can think a year from now, when I look back on this experience, will I wish I had spent more time indoors focused on getting my work done? Or am I going to wish that I had spent more time walking on the beach and practicing Spanish and walking through the trees and looking for monkeys? And on days when, you know, something is kind of an emergency, not an emergency, when there's deadlines, when there's something that I'm obligated to do or somebody I'm obligated to respond to, I, I will choose to put work first. But then on other days when I've checked off a lot of the boxes and it's like everything that needs to get done today has gotten done, um, then I feel much more safe and comfortable going, okay, I'm going to walk on the beach now. I know I could be working on other things, but I can work on other things when I get back to the U.S. or I can work on other things like after the sun has gone down. 
Uh, but today the sun is up and the beach is beautiful and there's people out and there's only going to be so many days that I have to be in Costa Rica and enjoy the beauty of nature here and potentially see monkeys and parrots and things. So I'm going to take advantage of that now. Good point. Good reframing. Good reframing. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that you make an excellent point about just think about how you're going to feel on your deathbed, y'all. Are you going to be all like, God damn, why didn't I, why didn't I spend more hours in the gym? You're going to be like, no, why didn't I just go on a beautiful hike in nature? And, and remember that beautiful hike I went on and remember that beautiful day I had staring at the daffodils mm. instead of listening to someone, no shame on gym culture because I do miss going to the gym, but listening to someone sound like they're taking a giant shit because they have to make sure everyone knows how heavy they're lifting. Uh, <laughs> well, I think another thing that helps too is having something specific that you do with your downtime. So mm. it doesn't feel like you're just sitting there being quote unquote lazy. I think it's really important to schedule in your time, your free time, the way that you would schedule in anything else. Like this is actually mm. a task to accomplish. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. It's counterintuitive, but I think it really works for certain personalities because if you spend your, your quote unquote downtime, uh, feeling guilty and awful and being like, when am I going to get back to work? That's not downtime. That is not downtime. <laughs> you know what I'm finding is like, I mean, I have, it, I think a lot of it comes down to practice as well. Like getting, getting in the habit, you know, like what I said, when I first started, um, having more unstructured days, cause I was working for myself. I, I just really felt all the time. Like if I wasn't working, I was in danger. Like a wolf was going to come out of nowhere and attack me. Whereas now I feel like I've gotten more used to it. And I, I've built up this experience where I go, you know, you can, you can wait until after nine o'clock to start doing your work and it's okay. You can even take a Monday off if you need a Monday off for a mental health break and nothing bad is going to happen because I've had these past experiences where I took a Monday off and I was very anxious all day because I wasn't doing work, but then nothing bad happened. So now I know it's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. And just getting more practice of taking time off and seeing yeah. that nothing bad happens can. And for can those of positive. us who haven't out, like for me, I know tomorrow I was looking at my day and I almost cried because I have all these meetings. <laughs> um, so I cannot wait till, you know, I would love to wait till nighttime to do all my work, like do my living during the day and go out and enjoy nature. But, you know, I can't because I have meetings and they'll yell at me. I'm sure if I'm on a hiking trail, trying to conduct a meeting. Um <laughs> Oh, maybe I should try it. Well, we should see what happens. Um, but I think that still saying to yourself, like, okay, yes, I have all these meetings throughout the day, but I'm going to take this hour off to take care of myself, eat some lunch, take some downtime mentally. I think that actually, I I really don't do that often. And then by the end of the day, I feel really, really frayed and shitty and exhausted because mm. I didn't just say, hey, 
take a break through during the day. You're a human, you're a living being. You need to take, you need to take downtime because there's like this feeling of guilt, like, like, Oh, Oh, I need to spend this entire time, you know, doing any minutia that may need to be done. It's my work day. It's like, actually, I'll be more productive if I do take some time off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's actually another really good reframe and something that I found really helps me. And I don't think this is just unique to my situation. I think this is good for everyone. But I work with poets and I work with people who in the workshop that um, that I teach will often bring in some very uh, heartfelt work. And I want to be there with them emotionally. And I want to be emotionally available and cognitively available to them. And so part of what I do in order to justify taking some time off is I think, okay, if I do a lot of work right now, then when I get to class, I'm already going to feel a little bit burned out. I won't be able to be as emotionally and cognitively available to my students, my clients. So that's something that helps me justify like not working before work. You know what I mean? Like I'll go actually, like the other day, I I went for a walk on the beach and I stopped at the grocery store and got some fruits and veggies and um, and came home and I was feeling so much more relaxed and refreshed than I normally do if I wake up and just spend an hour drinking coffee and answering emails before I teach a class. And I felt like I was able to give more to my class and give more to mm-hmm. my students because I was more relaxed and refreshed. And I'm reframing so- that. Yeah, that's beautiful because it's like, oh, that time off wasn't me being lazy or shirking my work. It's me being able to take care of my work to the best of my ability. Yes. It's like me preparing myself to do the best work that I can to show up feeling relaxed and refreshed and nourished so that I can do the best work that I can for other people. So that's like a Mm. really great reframe that um, in some ways even bullies me, I would say. It makes me feel guilty about working too much which I think that should be the reframe. Um, well, maybe I mean, that's guilt not- can be guilt can be helpful. Shame is not helpful from what I've learned from Brene Brown. Guilt can be helpful because it's like I shouldn't be I should I know better and I shouldn't be doing these actions. You're still doing the same thing. Like you're still sitting there taking your time off, but instead of being like I'm so guilty, I feel so guilty, I feel so lazy and awful. You're just saying this is my time off so I can do everything else better and take care of myself and be a you know a more balanced healthy version of myself um but you're doing the same thing on the surface on the surface deep down you're doing something completely different yes absolutely I feel a little bit like I think of my brain as being a classic car And I want to take it out and show it off in the classic car parade. But then after that, I want to put it in the garage and make sure it stays safe and gets all the waxing and polishing it needs. I shouldn't be using a car metaphor because that was such a weird metaphor. I was like, you don't even care. You don't even have a car. 
I think what I'm saying is I want my work self to be in mint condition ah. when I show up to work. So when I'm not at work where I really need to be fresh and focused and attentive, then I want to slip myself back into my protective casing, whatever that might be, and um, allow myself to relax and regenerate and recuperate in your plastic bubble in my little plastic bubble so after work that's how, that's how all introverts feel all the time well as an extrovert <laughs> let me ask you about this because you t- you talked about going to um like taking your meetings while being on a walk in nature uh, which I know you haven't done, but like, how, how do you feel about combining work and relaxation? Like, you know, going to the beach and trying to get some work done while also enjoying the natural environment. I actually do want to say, even though I was like joking about it earlier, I actually want to say that that could be really problematic because mm-hmm. I think it's really important to be able to leave your work behind and step into a new environment where, um, where you're not you're not polluting your relaxation environment with work. I agree with you, but it's also so hard for me because um, I live in my hammock, you guys, in Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's really difficult for you. I do have like a, a a desk. I have a desk with my dual monitors set up, where I'm like, this is my workspace. Um, you know, and I think there's something very powerful about physically being able to get up from your workspace and leave your workspace and be like, bye motherfucker. Um, with that, I could see it as very challenging for people, people who are working more like you, where you're all like, here's my workspace. It's my laptop. I can bring it anywhere. I can bring, I do bring, when I get sick of my desk, I'll bring my laptop into bed and start working in bed. I think these things I think these things can be really problematic because then now all of a sudden my bed is my workspace. And that, although it feels good, it feels like, oh, I can just sit here and relax in bed while I do my work. I'm like, I am also blurring these boundaries, which could potentially be harmful. Yeah, I feel, I definitely feel the same way. It's it's challenging for me. And there's no way of saying this without making it seem like I'm an asshole, But, you know, some of my work is reading poetry and preparing a poetry workshop by just sitting and reading poetry, which is what a lot of people would do for relaxation. So yesterday, for example, after I was done teaching my class, I'm like, I need to prepare this other workshop today, but I also really want to relax because it's a Saturday. So I was just in my hammock reading uh, romantic Irish poetry. And I didn't know if I was at work or if I was on vacation or on my weekend, (laughs) because this is technically work that had to be done that had a deadline. But at the same time, like I'm in my hammock drinking a cup of coffee and reading poetry. Most people would not consider that uh, working hours. So for me, that line is blurring more and more. And I, I think the only way to really codify it, to really quantify it is mentally. Like, you know, there are days when I take the bike and ride into town and I leave my laptop at the house and that makes town 
my my time off space. And then there's other times where I take the laptop into town and I might be writing or reading or preparing something on the laptop while I'm at a restaurant looking out at the ocean. And then the restaurant is my workspace. So it's really, Mm. I I think if anything, like my workspace is my laptop. If I leave the laptop at home, that's me being able to really separate work from living. I think that's, I think that's really good. That's um, really good that you can actually, you can create that distinction. Here's a, here's a tip. Don't get a fucking iPhone because I will do so much work on my iPhone. I will send emails. I will read emails. I see you reading an email right now. It looks like on your, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned my iPhone. Now I have to check it. So I think what these, these phones are so problematic because they're no, they're not just like a phone. It's like, I can literally do, I can pretty much do almost all my work. Because all a lot of my work is his communication, and mm-hmm. I can do a lot of my work on the phone. Not everything, but I can do a lot of work on the phone. I can as well, but since a lot of my work involves writing, and it's it's much easier to do writing on a laptop than on the phone. I I look yeah, at oh my yeah. phone as my my mainly my play toy. And hardly at all as my work device. And huh. that kind of helps me have that distinction. Are you doing so your phone while we're talking on this podcast? My back was hurt. My back was hurting. And so now I'm doing self-care. Um, and it's not yoga. I'm just doing like a side plank, which I guess could be yoga, actually. Whatever. <laughs> um, I think it's, I, I like how you've reframed your phone as your, your side piece your mistress or whatever the male version of that is uh, for you. And that your laptop is your husband. I like that. Uh, Yes. I guess that's a really good. This is my play thing. Well, you called it your play thing. This is my play thing. (laughs) And this is my work thing. There you go. I think that, you know what, this is a very, it's going to be different for everyone. Play around with reframing reframing um things play around with setting boundaries uh setting like this is my downtime boundary um be careful of of um justifying too much justifying like well it's not really work because I'm also like doing something else so I can just like bring my work into bed with me and it's fine (laughs) I do that a lot play around Ultimately, find a fucking balance that makes you want to actually enjoy your life. Because we're not here to work. We're not here to work and die. We're here (laughs) to work, play, and die. Let's remember that. (laughs) Like a squirrel. That squirrel wants to get their nuts, but they also want to chase around their little squirrel buddy up and down the tree. Don't forget about that. Live your life like a cat. Look at the cats. As the Bible says, the lilies of the field, they work not for their food and raiment, and yet does not their heavenly father know what they need and provide for them. What? Do you know a whole Bible quote? Yes, I know a whole Bible quote. I even can recite the beginning of John. I can begin and recite the beginning of the uh the gospel of John in Latin. You want to hear it? You want to hear it? Can I do it? No, please don't. 
Is this a in white hair? I'm pretty sure this is a white hair. Look at that. In principium, in principium, erat verbum, et verbum, erat om, et os. In the beginning, there was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God in ancient Latin. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> here's Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this in English. I could say it. I could, I could, you know, not say it in English, but you know, for everyone's benefit, I'll, I'll just say this in English. Um, nature does not rush, but yet gets everything done, like going grocery shopping every week and stuff like that. Lao Tzu. You read that. You read that on a tea bag, didn't you? <laughs> no, I've read much in the way of Eastern philosophy because I find it most poignant. Right. Well, I'm going to let you go <laughs> do some scheduled time off things so Woo! you feel more rested and relaxed when you get yeah. to that pile of meetings tomorrow. This has been another fun-filled episode of In My Happy Place. Uh, if you want to share with us how you reframe your relaxation time or what you do with your relaxation time, please message us at in my, please, what do you do? I don't even know. Whatever. Just, you know, close your eyes and focus your <laughs> thoughts and we'll feel your vibrations. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you know what? DM us on Facebook at you know in my happy you know we haven't gotten our social media shit together okay we're true busy being in our happy place you can tell how happy i am right now in my happy place <laughs> <laughs> i'm so happy <laughs> um no reach out to us via facebook in my happy place on facebook yeah. you can find us on facebook at in my happy place and direct message us there. Love you. Okay, love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.